be back to uh, doing a verse-by-verse -verse exposition through the book of James next week. Uh, we, do, we do have uh, a couple of prayer requests. Um, Violet this morning got a call from a family that, or a couple that came here for a very short time, probably a year ago, year and a half ago. And uh, the, the lady is, they watch an older lady and she is um, on her way into eternity. And uh, so she got to go and see them, say goodbye uh, this morning. And I pray that, uh, you remember Susie? Yeah. Um, so she's, uh, she's not doing very well at all. So I pray for the family that uh, the Lord would give them strength and comfort during this time. And uh, that um, he would uh, be with Susie as well and give her comfort and grace through this time as well. So... Uh, and then uh, I praise uh, Brother Bruce here this morning. Uh, the Lord does answer prayer, and that is just such good news um, to know that, I mean, at one point he was stage four cancer, and he just got a test done, and the doctor said, can't even find a trace of cancer in your body. And uh, so that is just wonderful. Brother Tim. Praise the uh, widow Oh, yes, yes, I, I remember reading about that. I did, yeah. Uh, I don't think he'd even been with a force for very long. Um, and then there was another shooting here in Cheyenne just over by, uh, just off of Pershing. Uh, a, young man, a young man was shot in an altercation there and died, and there are two, two more in the hospital. And um, so pray, uh, pray for those situations that God will be glorified through, through all things. We've got several who are out. Uh, Brother Josh Gorman called me last night, and uh, he said that the roads down in New Mexico are like glass, and they are not going to be able to make it. They're going to try to make it back today. And um, uh, so they've got a very, very long drive. I think he's got about nine or ten hour drive, something like that, to come up here. And uh, what about uh, Vince and, and Donna? Donna's in Ohio City. Good. And uh, Vince, I've been getting him to the VA to come see some nursing and emergency this morning. Oh, good. He's got a four-hour appointment August 13th. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Brother Jeff is doing well. Is he working today? This is a man who had two stints put in his heart earlier this week, and he is just non-stop but uh pray that god will give him strength he was here on thursday night for the men's meeting and uh, said that it was great to be able to breathe again um, and uh, just said he feels like he has more energy i don't know that i'd have 10 to 12 miles of walking a day energy um, but uh, the lord has given him the ability to be able to do that father this morning we are thankful for your word and for those who came out today, we know that some uh, did not want to get out and, and, and take a chance with the roads. And it is that time of the season, but your word tells us that there will be snow and rain and, and springtime and harvest. And we are thankful that as the seasons come and the seasons go, not just on the earth, but in our own personal lives, as we get older, there are things that we have to face. And I ask, Lord, that you would give us grace to be able to 
handle those things that you have in store for us in our life. And that through all of this, that we will give you the honor and the glory. We are encouraged at what we see with the lives of each individual and the changes and the growth that is coming. And whether it's in the doctrinal class and the Sunday school class or from the morning service and people who are responding to your word, we are encouraged by that. We ask that you would continue to build your church in your way, in your time. And as we look at this uh, message this morning or the teaching this morning on the local church, I pray that it would also encourage the hearts of each person who is here. We look forward to the morning service as we continue with the Beatitudes, looking at the fourth Beatitude. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And may our hearts be prepared to receive your word in our hearts and in our minds. Change us where we need to be changed. And we give thanks for the fact that you forgive us of our sins. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5 is where we are going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5. You guys got here you guys go. Good morning. Did he get anything? Is, is isn't he hunting? No. No, no, he went to Minnesota. To, yes, yes, yes. I'll eventually get it right. Okay, we are going to start in Ephesians chapter 4 and I want to begin reading in verse 11. We are looking at God's plan for his church. This is not our church. It's not Pastor Mark's church. It's God's church. And that is true around the world, wherever his word is faithfully proclaimed. And there are people who are gathering together for worship. Of course, we are many time zones later than, for example, Brother Breck, who was uh, just recently over in Southeast Asia. And there are many who are over there who have already had morning service as well as evening service. And uh, they're preparing, actually, if not, have already gone into Monday and preparing for their work day. But here at Yellowstone Baptist Church, I want to clarify a few points as we look at God's Word this morning. And that is, number one, we are not the only church in town. Oh, I just wanted to make sure everybody was awake. We are not the only church in town. And I'm sure that there are the churches that are proclaiming the truth of God's word, but every one of us have a responsibility wherever God has placed us to be faithful to his service in that location. Now, there are times that God for a season may have us serve in one place, or he may then have us go and serve in another place. I mean, for example, each one of you, uh, probably a year ago, apart from maybe Brother Tim and let's see, Sister Janice, um, uh, two years ago, they were the only ones who were here out of the out of the class this morning. And there are many who have come, and there are many who have gone, and and yet God still is faithful to His word, and He says that He will grow the church. And the reason is in Ephesians chapter four. Of course, we know the mystery of the church was only revealed to the apostle Paul, and as he writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verse eleven, he says this. He gave apostles and prophets. We know that both of these offices are no longer in existence today. 
and he gave evangelists and shepherds and teachers. The word here is actually shepherds slash or hyphen teachers is the way that we would write it in the English language. This is somebody who not only shepherds the flock, but part of that shepherding responsibility is actually teaching. Why did he do these things? I believe there are three reasons. Number one, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. Why? Or how long is this going to take place? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Boy, that's a pretty high calling, isn't it? I mean, th this is what he wrote to the Philippian church as well. I press toward the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The measure of the fullness of Christ, it, we are commanded, Peter himself says in 1 Peter chapter 1, be ye holy for I am holy because it is written, be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. This is the standard. The standard is not you and me. Brother John, you don't have to look at my life and say, well, I can't measure up to that standard. Or I can't look at your life, Brother Terry, and say, no, I can't measure up to that standard. So therefore, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. No, the standard is Jesus Christ. And because the standard is Jesus Christ, he says that you will become like me. This is the purpose we find in Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? That we will be, verse 29, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This is the high calling. You see, when we get to heaven, there, aren't, there isn't going to be but one throne, and Jesus Christ has already made a claim to that. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. So that we may no longer, here's the why, be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I don't know if you ever said this. I heard this growing up at times. We have said it to our kids. Maybe you said it to your kids as well. Why don't you just... Oh, some of you have... Oh, that, that's mom. Never mind. <laughs> Why don't you just grow up? Now, the reality is that we are still growing. And, and sometimes parents... Any of you ever draw the lines with your kids as they were growing maybe on the side of a door or, or maybe on a wall or something? We moved way too many times to worry about that. But over time, we slowly grew. And the truth is this, that sometimes you and I in our struggles from day to day, we will struggle. Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8 makes that very clear. Paul says that the things that he was supposed to be doing that's not what he's doing. And the things that he is not supposed to do, that's exactly what he is doing. And he says, though, thanks be to God that we will be delivered from this flesh. That is the encouragement that comes with the Christian life. 
because Romans chapter 8 says there is therefore, why? Because of these things, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage each of you this morning, you and I in the church in the Lord Jesus Christ, the comparison is not with one another. Don't compare yourself to me. Follow me, though, as I follow Christ. I will follow you as you follow Christ. You see, we are all to be held accountable one to another. This is why we as Christians, it's not just the, the pastor standing up front or the elder standing up front and everybody listening and, and maybe writing a few notes and, and hopefully something will eventually click in our minds this next week or next month or next year. No, it's a daily process. You don't, look at, you don't look at your kid if you haven't been measuring them and say, well, you haven't grown any taller in the last week or in the last month, so, so therefore you must just be dead. No, we grow every single day. Now, there are times, I'm going to be real honest from my own life as well, there are times when we are growing that it feels like three steps forward and two steps back. And on some days, Brother John, it's maybe a half step forward and three steps back because it is a struggle because we still live in a fallen world. You and I still have to deal with the remains of this flesh with which we have until one day we are fully redeemed and we stand glorified in the Lord Jesus Christ never to sin again. But in the meantime, we will continue sinning here in this life. That, unfortunately, is a reality of the Scriptures. So now let's look over to Ephesians chapter 5. It may be down through the years of various churches that you have attended that this verse is often trotted out, and the first thing the women are like, Ugh, he's going to talk about submission again. But that's not really what this entire passage is about here. And I want to point this out before we get to our lesson. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. This means to be set apart, to be holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, let's go to your lesson this morning. I believe that if something is important to God, then it should be important to us. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was important enough that God the Father was willing to send his only begotten Son into the world so that all who will believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
This is the importance of the local church. As we read in verse 25 again, I want to reread this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, we, we can say that we love somebody, but do we love somebody to that degree? We, we've been talking in the book of Hebrews. We, we've been covering that on our Thursday night class. And, and, and one of the things that I am reminded of when I go through Hebrews, whoever the author is of that book, for some reason, it keeps taking me back to Romans chapter uh, 9 or 10, where Paul is speaking. And he says that I wish that I could be accursed from God for the sake of the salvation of my brethren Israel. I mean, that, that, that's pretty strong words. That's a pretty strong admonition. Could you imagine standing up and saying, hey, God, would you, I would be willing to be accursed to hell for all of eternity if all of Cheyenne could come to faith in Christ. I don't think any of us have that kind of love. I don't know that we even have that kind of love for our own family members. There are times we might like to say that we do. And I think that what Paul is pointing out here is that we have a responsibility to not just pray for them, but if we truly love somebody, we're going to tell them the truth. We're not going to hide behind a liar. We're not going to hide behind a half-truth. We're going to tell them the truth, and the truth is this. Every man, woman, and child who has ever lived, whoever will live, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of that, there has to be somebody to be able to go between us and God to be able to restore or bring a restoration to that fellowship that was lost in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and God. And the only person who could ever do that was Jesus Christ. And he came, and as Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says that Jesus Christ is the mediator and him alone between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, if Christ loved his church and gave himself up for her, then I think that it's important that we have a good understanding of what the church is. Why are we here? I want to begin by defining what a biblical church is. When the word church is used, though, what, what kind of mental images do you have? If I say we are going to church, what do you think of? I'm sorry, the building, right? Okay, so, and you could say, I, or you could say, I belong to Yellowstone Baptist Church. A different usage, right? But what is actually the word church? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Is a church a building? And we say this, I have said this myself. It is good that we come into the house of the Lord. Is this really the house of the Lord? What if it burned down this week? What if there was an earthquake? What if there was a, a massive snowstorm and it absolutely buried this place under 30 feet of snow and then it collapsed and there was no more building here? Is the church of God no longer present? No. The church of God is every true believer who gathers together for corporate worship serving under a biblical leadership, a biblical eldership, in order to be able to learn the Word of God so that we may grow and mature. Some people think that the building in which they meet for worship, if it has a steeple on it or has a cross on it, then we can say, well, look, there's a church. 
In England, it's very easy, and in parts of Europe, it's, it's very easy to tell what a church is because they're, they're these great big massive monstrosities you go in. None of them have heating or very few of them. And, and, and if you've ever been in, in England or Europe or places like that, you know you go into these buildings, but you can always tell in every village, it almost sits right in the center just off of the main square. Oh, look, there's the church. Some people use different terminology. Some people may use, for example, my dad used to pastor Cheyenne Baptist Temple. Some are known as, for example, Charles Spurgeon, where he pastored in England, is known as the Metropolitan Tabernacle. So there are different terms that are used. In fact, in many places throughout England, uh, there is a difference between a church and a chapel. A chapel is actually a building where the church meets. Listen to some of these churches. Ask yourself if you'd like to be a part of them. The Church of the Common Table. Uh, the Church of Scientology, which is neither church nor science, by the way. The Church of Christ Scientist. Does anybody remember Reverend Moon? The Unification Church, the Mormon Church, now they go by LDS. Faulty mental images and erroneous. Oh, by the way, there's also the Church of Pancakes. Who said yes? Oh, I don't know that I like pancakes enough that I go to a church for pancakes. Well, that's true. That's true. How many of you have heard of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster? Mm -hmm. They've actually got a temple down in Texas. Anybody heard of the Raelian Church? R-A-E-L-I-A-N? Yeah, they're in France. They still actually meet. There's a group of them. They believe that uh, mankind was deposited here by UFOs and... Their church building is actually built in the shape of a UFO, and uh, their leader actually wears special space-like clothing that he wears and, and tries to convince people that uh, someday these aliens are coming back and they're going to take everybody away from the earth. So what is actually the meaning of the word church? The American Heritage Dictionary gives the following uh, definitions. One, a building for public worship. That's what we were just talking about. Number two, all Christians regarded as a spiritual body. Number three, a specific Christian denomination. You can say, for example, the Methodist Church. And we're talking about how many churches? Hundreds, maybe thousands, right? We could say the Baptist Church of America or the Catholic Church in America or across the world or wherever it may be. Those are things that we talk about at church. We're talking about a large group, a, 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 a really a non-distinct group of people. It's just basically referring to that denomination. And number four, interestingly, a congregation. This is the present day usage, and I believe that there are a couple of things here to point out for you. Number one, the universal church. 
By this is meant the invisible body of all believers in the world. Now, I want you to understand that I believe in a universal church, but I believe that the universal church is in prospect. We still can have fellowship. For example, if you were to go down to South America or to India or Pakistan or Nepal or China, Russia, wherever you go, you could actually, as a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, sit down with that congregation and you could worship together with them. But you're not actually part of that local church. But there is coming a time when God will return for his bride and when he comes for his bride, all of the believers, both those who have passed on before us and those who are yet alive, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, makes it very clear that Jesus will call all of us to be together with him, and we will be the church together as the bride of Christ. Certainly, we cannot find an invisible gathering on the earth. I've heard people tell me this, that they belong to the invisible church. Well, what does that mean? Well, I just sit in my chair, easy chair at home on a Sunday and, and maybe watch TV or, or watch, you know, TBN or whoever it may be that comes on TV. You are actually missing out. Those who do those things, and maybe there are some who might even be listening to the sermon audio, there are uh, things that you miss out on, and number one is the importance of the local church. You see, that's the way God does his work, is through a local assembly. We've already talked about a denomination. We've already talked about a building. So I want to look at the biblical usage of the word church. The word church actually comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is two words, the Greek word ek, meaning from, and kaleo means to call out. So we put this together, and ekklesia actually means a called out group of people who are called out from the world. This is ekklesia. So we could essentially, if we were going to use a Greek terminology, we could say this is Yellowstone Baptist ekklesia, a called out assembly. Called out from what, though? The world called out from the world to be separate. You know, it, it is a shame. It is a shame when we as believers, those who are true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, can go into a building that is styled as a church to meet with a group of people who are styled as a church, and yet it does not resemble anything other than worldly entertainment. We posted on our Slack, for those of you who, who saw that this last week, Super Bowl Sunday. And if you happen to, did anybody see the video that we posted? Okay. That was a travesty in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 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 the man gets up, the first man gets up and he is the senior pastor, the head pastor, executive pastor, whatever he wants to call himself. And then a lady gets up and she's the junior pastor. And so they, everything is Super Bowl themed and the worship leader gets an actual Bible from the pulpit and puts it down on the ground and the junior pastor runs across the stage. She's wearing a football uniform. The senior pastor's wearing a football uniform and she kicks the Bible literally off the stage. And everybody's applauding. Yay! That's not church. 
Most people have no idea what church is. But you can go, and there are a lot of churches around America, particularly today, and, and we have become so enamored with entertainment. And the truth is this, as Spurgeon said, over 150 years ago, it will become a shame when the church is doing more to entertain the goats than it is to feeding the sheep. And that's what's happening. You can go to churches this morning all across America, and they've got everything from the smoke machines to the bands to the, to the roller coaster on stage to the great big swimming pool on stage to the trampoline to whatever it may be. And they've got all of these things because what you use to bring people to church is what you have to use to keep them in church. If all you do is provide entertainment, you stop the entertainment, guess what happens to the crowd? They leave. The word ecclesia was actually in common use during the time of Christ, and it was used among the Greeks as a body of citizens who were gathered together to discuss the affairs of state. So the similarity that we find is this. In an ecclesia in the church, we gather together as a body of believers, as members one with another, Ephesians chapter 4, and we do these things in order to discuss the affairs of state. But what state are we talking about? The eternal state. We're talking about our heavenly kingdom. It, it, would, be, it would be wise for us on a regular weekly, sometimes even daily basis to remind ourselves that we are strangers and pilgrims just passing through this land. This, this isn't where our home is. It, you know, we, we in America, we, we have this almost a, a, a fetish with living here in the nasty now and now. It's more important to us to live here than it is to be able to be prepared for, for the kingdom to come. You know, the older, the older you get, the older I get, Violet and I, we've talked about this quite a bit, and she tells me all the time, she doesn't want to live to be past 70. Well, I might, might like to live to 71 or something like that, you know, maybe a little bit longer than that. But however long God gives us, the older we get, what happens to the body? It decays. It falls apart. And I believe the reason that we as believers are left here is to be able to point to others and say that no matter what stage of life we are in, whether we are young or whether we are older and gray-haired, it doesn't matter what our stage is in life, that we are pointing to the, to, to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. And even if he takes us to be with him before then, what a, what a day, what a promotion. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. She'll look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. This world is not about us. It is, we are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. Rejoice in the fact that, that he is coming back for you and I, if you're a believer. Jesus made use of this term when he speaks in, for example, example Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is speaking with Peter and he talks with him and he says, upon this rock, he's referring to himself, not to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not pre prevail against it. 
He continues two chapters later in Matthew chapter 18 when he is dealing with church discipline. And he says to them, when the assembly or when the church gathers together, let the person hear them. In other words, if there's a matter of church discipline, it's to be addressed before the entire church should it get to that level. And then the church makes a biblical decision to bring that person under discipline. The word ecclesia is actually found 118 times in the New Testament. Of those, it is translated as church or churches 115 times, and three times it is translated as assembly. So as you can see, in the majority of these verses, it refers to what? A local assembly of Christ believers. Think about the New Testament. You've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which gives us the introduction to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a fulfillment of the prophecies, over 400 prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. I've shared this with some of you before. Maybe you were here in a previous class when I stated this, but the chance of one person being able to fulfill just 16 of those prophecies is one chance in one followed by 64 zeros. I can't even count that high. So there are two applications to Christians this morning. Number one, the ecclesia, by the way, let's, let's, let's go back just a moment because I want to look at more than just the Gospels. Romans was, or Acts was written about the formation or the continuation and the growth of the church. Romans, written to a church, right? First St. Corinthians, to a church. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, to churches. First St. Thessalonians, to churches. First, second Timothy and Titus were written to who? People who were pastors of a church. Philemon, written to the leaders of the church at Colossae in regards to the situation with Onesimus. Hebrews, written to the church, showing the church what the difference is between the Old Testament and that which is better, which has come in Jesus Christ. First and second Peter. Paul tells us, or Peter tells us who it was written to right in the very beginning. Elect according to the foundation, or to the, to the foreknowledge of God the Father. To who? To the saints scattered throughout the dispersion. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, written to local churches. And then, of course, we have Jude written by the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ and Revelation. The Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. But what do we have in chapter 2 and chapter 3? We have seven churches that Jesus Christ has John write to. The entire New Testament is written for the benefit of a local church. Again, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. The church, which is his body, for which he gave himself. You can find this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Chapter 4, verse 12. 5, 23 through 25 in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, which I'm going to read for you. And he, speaking of Christ, is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. A church that does not have Jesus Christ preeminently in place is a church that will barely have him prominently. Now, there is a difference between preeminence and prominence. Prominence is one amongst many. Preeminence means Jesus Christ wants to be one and only. This common and usual meaning of the word church is for a particular local assembly as we have already looked at, uh, but that we've looked through the New Testament to, to look at the various names of the churches that, that had these letters. And we also hear of other churches. We hear of a church in Berea. We hear of a church that was in Laodicea and in other locations that didn't actually receive, excuse me, that did not receive a letter. The definition of a New Testament local church, the church is not an organization, but a living organism. When, when we are growing, do you remember what, and because this is being recorded, I'm not going to say the name of the country, but, but it, it has to do with this bucket that we've got up here on the front. There are, there are countries around the world where it is illegal to meet or to meet in more than a handful of people. And you might have churches all over the place that only have five, six, seven, ten people. Is that not a church because it doesn't, it's not as big as ours or because we're not as big as another or because we don't run four or 5,000 people? No. If Christ is doing his work, he will build his church. However that takes place, it is his responsibility. It is our responsibility to make sure that we're doing what he has called us to do, though, and that is to share the gospel, to disciple the nations. Listen to how one person put this. A New Testament local church is a visible, called-out congregation of saved and scripturally baptized believers associated by a covenant of faith and fellowship of the gospel. Observing the ordinances of Christ, meeting together for worship, prayer, fellowship, and teaching, having a united testimony, and actively engaged in carrying out the Great Commission. A local church has the absolute right of self-government, free from the interference, control, or dictates of any religious hierarchy of individuals or organization. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one and only head and superintendent of the church, and that on all matters of discipleship, membership, policy, government, discipline, and benevolence, the will of the local church is final. In other words, we don't go to an outside source to be able to find this information. We who are members of this local assembly, Yellowstone Baptist Church, are indeed part of the great assembly, which will one day be gathered together. We will meet the Lord in the clouds and we shall be forever with him. We can rejoice in that. In fact, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he says, therefore comfort one another with these words. Well, we're almost out of time this morning, but I have some additional information that I wanted to provide for you there so that you can look over at Lord willing this next week as you're studying. And that's firstly, when did the church begin? 
I believe the church began with the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and his 12 disciples. We are told that Jesus Christ himself is the foundation cornerstone and that it was built, as we read in Ephesians 4, upon the ministry of the disciples. Some would teach that it began at Pentecost. I believe that the church had already been formed and that it was empowered at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. What kind of church was it? Well, Ephesians 2.2, 2, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. In ancient building practices, the chief cornerstone was carefully placed. It was fitted into the corner of a building as the formal beginning. And the cornerstone was of fundamental importance. It was crucial because the entire building was lined up with this. This is how we find the New Testament church. And then finally, church successionism or perpetuity. What is church successionism? And again, we won't have time to look at this in depth today, but it is an unbroken line of churches that can be traced through every calendar year from the time of Christ until the present time. And these people consider that any church that cannot be traced is not a true biblical church. Now, I want to say it right here for the record. I do not believe in church successionism. The Catholic Church cannot prove it. The Methodist Church cannot prove it. There is no Baptist Church that can prove it. I believe in church perpetuity. Perpetuity is a promise, basically, of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, there has always been a remnant of people down through the centuries, down through the last two millennium, that God has miraculously preserved his word. And I'm sorry, it is not the Catholic Church. When God says that he is going to do something, he is a God of promise. And of that we can be thankful. My encouragement to you this morning is to have a, not just a clear understanding of what the local church is, but that you will rejoice that God has even left us something like this. We can partake of the Lord's table together. We can celebrate in fellowship. We can, we can have baptisms, which we're going to be doing here very shortly. But God gave us these things so that we could see how vital, how important his bride is, the church. Are there any questions this morning? No questions? Well, thank you for coming this morning, and we'll prepare for our morning worship service.